I'm never gonna dance again. Because <laughs> guilty feet have got no rhythm. Slay. <laughs> She's a poet. Shakespeare who? It's Shakespeare me. Welcome to Thunder Noodle. That pretty much describes how our weekend went. Yeah, it's money. (laughs) (laughs) No. I am not yaying. Boo, Wendy. Boo. Are you yaying like the Kanye? Yeah. Oh. Me and I've lost it like Kanye. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. We're in this crazy boat together. Yeah. But do you like fish sticks? No. You're not a gay fish. No. Thought that would turn out funnier. It was not. Maybe I am a womp, gay womp, fish. Womp. I want to be a gay fish. You want to be a gay fish? Yeah. Then you have to like fish sticks. I like fish sticks. Okay. Are you gay fish? <laughs> I'm a gay fish. <laughs> Are you ready? I am not. For today's Minnesota Monday. Yes, bitch. Yeah. I hope everybody had a good weekend and I hope you're ready to have a fucked up week, I guess. Yeah. Well, just think of it like this. It could be worse. Like we learn from our, our episodes. I know you shouldn't look at other people's lives and think... Well, yay me. But But sometimes it's... (laughs) But it helps. (laughs) Sometimes it also just makes things worse. (laughs) (laughs) Bruh. Monday. Here we fucking go. It's good. It's happening. Let's get into it. We are (laughs) professional, okay? (laughs) We got this. So today's episode. We are not in South Africa. (laughs) <laughs> okay we are somewhere else we were somewhere else last week as well yes we are traveling we are traveling i am in complete and utter denial of the state of our country oh. and the state of our crops which is out <laughs> what's out of you bitches yeah, yeah yeah so today will be the case of joel guy jr and well his that's a shit name Extracurricular activities. Uh, like, where does Joel live? In Tennessee. Oh, well, that explains the name. You are the only ten I see. Oh, <laughs> stop it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, I look, man. But you don't know Joel. Joel. So, final. Joel Guy Jr. is... 28 and his sisters gathered with their parents joel and lisa guy on thanksgiving in 2016 mm-hmm. their family met at their parents house a two-story home located on a beautiful perfectly manicured corner on goldview lane in knoxville tennessee recently retired Joel Sr. was a pipeline engineer designer and the couple had been married for 31 years. Imagine naming your son because you want him to continue your legacy and then things like this happen. Yeah. That's embarrassing. Yeah. 
Joel Sr. had three daughters by a previous marriage, and Lisa and Joel Sr. gave birth to their son, Joel Michael Guy Jr., in 1998. Can they, like, get some originality? Why are we naming people the exact same names here? Three times. I don't know. It's annoying me. I don't know. No. It should be illegal. (laughs) (laughs) Your face, <laughs> just the utter disgust I just of think it's so having lame. a family name. <laughs> <laughs> Why do five of us all? And now we're all there, and then everybody's gonna be like the one will be referred to as Mike, the other one will be referred to as whatever his name is. So why don't you just give them all different names? Yeah. You know what's worse than that? Yeah. Have you noticed? I don't know if it's a South African thing. If people do this in other countries, please let me know because. In my mind, it's a South African thing. Mm. But there are people that will get the same dog breed as the dog that just passed away, right? Give them the exact same fucking name. Like, why? Like, they have had seven Puerta, (laughs) you know? Like, let's get another Staffy. We call him Puerta. Let's get another fucking, I don't know, Jack Russell. And he is Spot or fucking Stoffel, you know? <laughs> but there's been seven Stoffels in this family. Yeah. It's weird as shit. And it, ha- it happens. I'm currently, as I'm sitting here right now, I know three people who do this. And just recently, one just got a new little poofteroinky <laughs> with the same fucking name. And then I get there and I'm like, oh, I thought fucking Puny was dead. And they're like, yeah. I'm like, but here's Puny. It looks exact, it looks like the exact same fucking dog, bruh. That's fucking weird. Yeah. People like that are the people we talk about on our podcast. Yeah. 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 So that's that's a do you think that's why they do it with the kids as well? (laughs) Because it's the same thing. The kid's just not dead yet. Yeah. Well, the other person's just not dead yet. They 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 they're like Sun Lum. They're thinking ahead. Not sponsored. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Back on track after our little side runs. So this would be their last holiday together in their family home. Joel Sr. and Lisa, the mommy, just told, ju- just told. <laughs> they did not tell nobody nothing, but they just <laughs> sold their Knoxville home. Oh. Okay. Lisa was going to retire and both were moving into Joel Sr.'s late mother's mountain home about 90 miles away in Sergoinsville. 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 Okay. The family... Choose your Pfizer. (laughs) Mega death. No, that is so inappropriate. Anyway, the family all looked forward to a Christmas reunion there next month. Mm. How do you have a Christmas reunion? That's <laughs> such a... Anyway. <laughs> all right. The guys, capital G, said goodbye to their daughters who lived in Tennessee and planned to say goodbye to their son, Joel, on Friday of that week before he headed home to Baton Rouge. He had lived there for a decade and was completely reliant on his parents' financial support. However... The guys had mentioned to their daughters that they planned to cut off Joel Jr. financially after the fan- Thanksgiving get-together. Oh, so they have the Thanksgiving and then the Christmas reunion. Isn't that just Christmas? 
I would think so. That is strange. It is not clear. Like that makes it sound like any gathering we have is a reunion. Mm-hmm. This is a reunion. <laughs> this is a reunion. <laughs> a thunder noodle reunion. Yeah. <laughs> it's been so long. I missed you. And this is our thirtieth episode. Ooh. It's not named as number thirty because with our part one, part two, I named them all twenty-four, twenty-four, twenty-four. You know. Oh. But technically, if you counted them all up, we are at number thirty. Our podcast is almost as old as me. Mm-hmm. Much older than you. We should get drunk for this. We should. <gasps> Are we going to do Wasted Wednesday? <gasps> White Girl Wasted Wednesday. Wednesday. WWW. www.weneedbetterlives.com For jets. Now, it is not clear if Joel and Lisa ever got the opportunity to tell their son that they were no longer going to support him financially, but Lisa's co-workers became worried when she did not show up at work on Friday, November the 25th. Mm. Lisa worked at Jacobs Engineering in Oak Ridge, where she was a human resources account payable administrator. Damn. It was supposed to be Lisa's last day before she retired. So they wanted to throw her a little retirement party. Oh, look. But Lisa did not show up. Oh, not Oluk. After trying to reach to to reach Lisa by phone repeatedly with no answer, her co-workers called the police and requested a welfare check at the guy's home. Knox County officers. Jeremy McCord and Stephen Ballard and several other officers responded to 11,434 Golden View Lane. That's their address. Oh. I don't think that's how they say it. They probably say 11434 Golden View Lane. Why would they do that? But it's number 11,434, just so you know. Thank you. They wanted to conduct a welfare check and found it seemingly empty. However, they thought it strange that the house was for sale, but had no estate lock on the front door. Looking inside from the front door, they could see groceries such as ice cream, sausage and bacon sitting on the floor in the foyer. Good taste. The police rounded the back of the home and noticed the doorknob had been removed and placed on the front door. They also feel the heat emanating from the house, along with an odd chemical smell. The officer opened one of Guy's cars, one of the Guy's cars. This is so confusing. Every time I say Guy's, it's the family, okay? Okay. Guy's. (laughs) One of the Guy's cars in the driveway and pressed the garage door opener, giving them access to the house. Lekker. The officer's... First inside the home, discovered that the thermostat was set to 90 degrees. Jesus. They approached a table with both Joel and Lisa's wallets and a sledgehammer sitting on top. Then another table with long guns sitting atop. They passed the groceries they had spotted from the outside and in the kitchen found a stock pot boiling on the stove. Investigators would later discover the pot contained the decapitated head of Lisa guy knox county sheriff's deputies who discovered the crime scene had a physical reaction to the odor in the home they did blow chunks Mm. 
The officers proceeded to ascend the stairway where they heard a dog barking. They found the dog locked in a bedroom. Looking mm-hmm. down the hallway, they could see blood-splattered walls and discovered Joel Sr.'s dismembered hands on the floor with large spots of blood on the rug. Horrified by what they were seeing, the officers continued the search. In the bathroom, they found both Joel and Lisa's dismembered corpses sitting inside plastic tubs in a homemade acidic solution. Investigators arrived on the second floor crime scene and found Lisa's clothing, which had been cut off her body along with a sewer line cleaner, baking soda, liquid fire drain cleaner lye, hydrogen peroxide, (laughs) mutric acid, bleach, and a bleach sprayer. (laughs) All of the above. Yes. Nearby (laughs) sat a suitcase that had a note in it with the name of an Ace Hardware store and a notation about sewer line cleaner. The home was so hazardous that the investigators had to wear hazmat suits to process the crime scene. An officer at the scene described it as the most horrific thing he has ever encountered in law enforcement in his life. In one percentile of homicides in the U.S. that involve mutilation or dismemberment, it's not something we run across, says Major Michael McLean of the Knox County Sheriff's Office. Usually there's a motivation behind it, in this case, we just did not know what it was. The motive would soon become evident. With no sort shortage of physical evidence, the FBI and East Baton Rouge Sheriff's Office placed Guy Jr. under surveillance after the crime scene was discovered. His motivation for the murders would quickly become apparent. Money. Money, money, money. Joel Guy Jr. was arrested a day after the bodies were discovered and charged with two counts of first-degree murder, felony murder, and abuse of a corpse. That did not take long. Joel Guy Jr. graduated from the Louisiana School of Math and Science and Arts in 2006. He had never been employed and was entirely supported by his parents. In fact, Lisa's friends said that she tirelessly worked only to give her son most of her paycheck. Joel Jr. spent one semester at George Washington University, then attended the Louisiana State University, supposedly training to become a plastic surgeon. He was living in Baton Rouge right up until the time of the murders. The FBI's the FBI arrested Joel Jr. outside of his East Baton Rouge parish apartment Tuesday as he walked to his car in the complex parking lot. When interviewed by police, he told them that he had been visiting his parents over the Thanksgiving holiday. He did not disclose a motive, but did tell investigators that he talked to his parents about money. Attorney Leslie Nasios spoke to Joel Jr., spoke at Joel Jr.'s trial and released new graphic details of the murders. State prosecutors said due to its graphic nature, it was a crime scene unlike many others in the U.S. They warned the victims' families and attendees to leave the courtroom if they felt like they were going to be overwhelmed. Oh, God. 
As Joel Jr. sat in the courtroom, blankly looking forward, Nasios began describing how Joel Sr. died. According to Nasios, he suffered, suffered 42 sharp force in- injuries, so brutal that 12 marks were left on his ribs that ranged from scratches to severing of the ribs. Severe damage was caused to Guy Sr.'s lungs, kidneys and liver. He also had an injury to his shoulder so severe that a fragment of the weapon was deposited into the muscle, muscle tissue. Muscle tissue. When Guy Sr.'s hands were severed at the wrists, his arms were severed at the shoulders and his legs removed at the hip. According to court records, his foot was severed at the ankle and Guy Sr. had fiercely fought for his life. After the murder, his clothing was cut off his body and left in a bloody pile on the floor. According to court transcripts, Lisa was stabbed 31 times, causing 21 severe injuries, stab wounds to the buttocks, and severed nine of her ribs. Her clothing was caught, cut off her body and left on the floor. Her arms were severed at the shoulders and her legs cut below the knees. Their bodies were placed in two 45-gallon containers with a mixture of drain cleaner, bleach, hydrogen peroxide, sewer line cleaner and other chemicals to quickly dissolve their bodies in the homemade acid solution. Authorities believe the couple was killed sometime between Friday and Saturday midday. The crime scene was so unimaginable that the state prosecutors would describe the discovery as a diabolical stew of human remains. That's an interesting choice of word, mm. considering a head in a pot. Over Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah. Police found a notebook filled with Guy Jr.'s plans in his parents' Knoxville home. Shockingly, he wrote a list of things to do prior to the murder, along with noting items to bring with him, including a blender and a food processor. Yeah. Joel Jr. listed items like sledgehammer and killing knives that he needed to murder his parents, as well as a plan of where and when to kill them. He planned to use the sledgehammer to crush his parents' bones. Bring blender and food grinder, the note said. Grind meat. Flush chunks down toilet. Get plastic bin for denature process. Investigators would later find receipts showing Joel Jr. bought the chemicals at Walmart in Knoxville. When his car trunk was opened in Louisiana after the arrest, they found a meat grinder in his trunk. Joel Jr. carefully listed the methods he would use to kill his parents, then destroy the evidence. In one note he wrote, kill dog, but then crossed it out and replaced it with, take the dog with you. The note goes on to detail how he would begin the forensic manipulation process and dismemberment. Place her in shower, turn on hot water, pointed at her to get rid of forensics, Remove her clothes and take with me for disposal. Cut off his arms and plant his flesh under his fingernails. 
replace her hand with his DNA so that his DNA is not washed away by the shower. You get what's happening here. Place hair curler with flammable paper and flammable containers of gasoline in four locations. His killing room, her killing room, his bathroom, her bathroom. Joel Jr. sustained several cuts to his hands in the assault on his father, including a cut on his left thumb. After the murders, he is seen at Walmart's first aid section, getting ointment and bandages. He also purchased isopropic alcohol and hydrogen peroxide. On Sunday, he drove back to Baton Rouge to be treated at a student clinic with the intention of returning to Knoxville to finish his diabolical deeds. Joel Jr. had one motive, money. He listed his parents' assets in detail in his notes, providing some insight to how he would achieve gaining his parents' property to include the life insurance, the Knoxville house, the Surgeonsville home, the car, the SUV, the boat, and an old truck. What? Her life insurance was $500,000, possibly more with double indemnity. A motive as old as the sun, but what kind of monster would so callously and brutally murder his own parents? Joel Jr.'s trial lasted four days and involved more than 700 pieces of evidence, 27 witnesses, and he was sentenced to life in prison on October 2, 2020, by Judge Stephen Sword. This was the other day. Mm-hmm. Who called the case the most extreme form of abuse of a corpse he has seen in his 25-year career. Joel Jr. was found guilty on all charges, including two counts of first-degree murder, three counts of first-degree felony murder, two counts of abuse of a corpse, and according to Knox County Judge Sword, the jury found him guilty unanimously on all seven counts. Slay! The judge told Joel Jr. that he thinks he is smarter than he really is, saying the crime was committed in a very unintelligent way. Judge Sword said that Joel Jr. showed no remorse during the trial and even appeared proud of his actions. He also said that Joel Jr. has a depraved mind that would not change over time. Mm. Joel Jr. will not be eligible for release for 130 years. However, during the sentencing, Judge Sword said that 300 years is not enough time to reasonably relate to what Joel Jr. did. The family posted a combined obituary for their parents, describing them as both having a sense of humor and loving and being kind-hearted. They were married for 31 years and were described as soulmates. Mm -hmm. The victim's family members were permitted to provide a verbal victim impact statement at the court proceedings on the 2nd of October. My sister Lisa was truly one of the most loving, caring, and forgiving people on the face of this earth, said Lisa's older brother Alvin as he spoke to Joel Jr. at sentencing. Reading from a prepared statement, he would also say, Her husband, my brother-in-law Joel, Guy Sr., was honestly one of the most down-to-earth, hard-working, and kind people I have ever met. They were the type of people who would help out anyone anytime they could. 
Alvin told how his mother, Guy Jr.'s elderly grandmother, collapsed upon hearing the news her daughter was brutally murdered by her grandson. She was taken to the hospital, where she later died. Oh my god, that is fucking horrible. Quote, before I could bring her back, she tried, or she truly died of a broken heart, end Mm. quote, said Alvin. An especially emotional statement from Joel Sr.'s daughter Tina. She did not have a written statement prepared and spoke from the heart. Dad and Lisa were wonderful. They were larger than life. They were so happy. Really such good people. And they loved him. They loved him so much. They loved all of us so much. Barely able to speak, she went on. For anyone, for him to do what he did. I don't understand it. He has taken something from me. From my children, dad and Lisa's grandchildren, my husband and everyone in my family. He has taken from us what we will never get back. Joel Jr. sat without emotion, sometimes asking for water, as he watched each family member get up to speak. Guy Sr.'s daughter Angela was the next up to speak at the sentencing. Overcome by emotions, she began saying that she was not prepared to speak that day, but her words left a lasting impression of a daughter who was robbed of her father. Four years later, I felt I have pushed it down and it's not really happening, but it's real and they are gone. Through tears, Angela voice, Angela's voice cracks and dad was my best friend and I will never be able to hear his laugh again or his incredible hugs. She described her father as a great storyteller and how she loved to go fishing with him and how she was robbed of her father walking her down the aisle. I still have dad on speed dial and it hurts me so much to never get to speak to him ever again. Michelle was the third daughter of Guy Senior and the last to speak at her brother's sentencing. Her grief was apparent as she held her cell phone shaking, struggling, struggling. To read her statement. you struggling to read your statement. I'm angry at my dreams being destroyed, but I'm not the only one that has been affected. This has impacted my kids, and for that, I will never be able to forgive you. I can rest easy knowing that God is okay with my choice not to forgive someone who has murdered my parents. I've had to spend the last four years trying to save my children's souls, their spirits, and their hearts. I've spent the last four years cleaning up a mess. No one will ever know what it's like to be a child having to hear your grandmother's head was cooking in a pot. She finished by saying, On a super selfish note, you will never know what it's like to have to tell your children that their grandparents were chopped up and put in acid. The most horrific and heart-wrenching case has no doubt scarred a family and the community along with a jury who had to witness the graphic details and crime scene photographs that will forever be etched into their minds. The Tennessee Department of Corrections, Prisoner Number 0624102, Joel Michael Jr. is currently serving out his life sentence at Northwest Correctional Complex in Tiptonville, Tennessee. He will be eligible for parole on April 30th, 21, 2136. That is the year when he will be eligible for parole. 
I don't even. I couldn't even. My brain didn't even want to read that. <laughs> Two thousand one hundred and thirty-six. That is the year. That's crazy. I finally feel like we've done a case where the victims got justice. Yes. Which makes me really happy. Yes. He apparently attempted to get the death penalty, which makes no sense to me. Mm-hmm. But he wrote little notes. He continued journaling. And he stated how he could not stop himself from wanting to hurt his cellmate while his cellmate was sleeping. And the urge to gouge his eyes out was too much. And people should not be trusted around him when they are not conscious. Well, that's lovely. Yeah. So, at least we know that... I lost my train of thought. It just skipped my mind. But yeah, this is fucked up. But yeah, they did not... He's he's still there. He's just getting actual life in prison. Good for him. Actual. I hope it sucks. Yeah. Oh, we were talking about him writing notes about wanting to kill his cellmates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's one disturbed motherfucker. Mm-hmm. All just for the money. I just want to know how people think they can do things like that and get away with it. I'm so concerned. Yeah. And a blender. Like, what were you planning on doing? Yeah. Like, that is not okay. He mm. must not have been okay for a very long time. And that brings me to think of that case of... That you did. Which one? The... Was it Grikwastat? What was his Don Steenkamp? Yeah where he also eliminated his entire family and his grandparents still gave him the money. Mm. And he's not getting nearly as much time no. as this motherfucker. But it's because he didn't probably didn't have time to dismember them, you know? Who knows? But yeah, that is Joel Michael Guy Jr. What a guy. How long were you waiting to use that? <laughs> I just <laughs> thought of it. <laughs> and I am slightly envious of the fact that they are able to put somebody in prison for 130 years. But we are not. Well, yeah. Three, it's fine. Yeah. Our country is literally going YOLO. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is very funny. This is full of jokes today. Yeah. Funny guy. I'm having a manye. <laughs> manye. You see, you're a funny guy. No, I'm a funny guy. Not this type of guy. No, you're not having a good Monday, girl. No. <laughs> but that is Minnesota Monday. And are you saying my jokes aren't funny? No, you are funny as fuck. I was just about to say, that is really offensive. And that's grounds for divorce. But she didn't say that, so it's fine. We're still married. Okay. You're safe. Dysfunctional marriage here, guys. (laughs) Don't worry. It's all love. In the end. (laughs) (laughs) May you have a great week. A better week than me. Yeah. We'll see you on Wednesday. Maybe we'll be a little whoop whoop. Yeah. A little warm. Bye. Bye. (laughs)